This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 497 with Kristen Westcott. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 497. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Take Two Minutes, a nonprofit dedicated to helping improve your happiness by using text messaging to engage you in activities proven to elevate and spark joy. To get started for free, go to Take Two Minutes, that's take number two minutes.org slash shameless, and you can save 15% off their super cute love inspired apparel for kids and grownups by using the code shameless when you shop their site. This episode is brought to you by Homeschool Magnet. If you are a parent who homeschools or a parent who's considering homeschooling, you definitely wanna go check out Homeschool Magnet's amazing program and all the ways that they can support you and your child's learning. Go to homeschoolmagnet.com and join the growing wait list. Kristen Westcott is a shameless mom to two little girls, as well as a business growth strategist and the founder of Kristen Westcott Media. She spent the last decade in the legal and education field, supporting leaders and students in the areas of goal setting, productivity, and project management. After recognizing her true passion lies in serving entrepreneurs, Kristen honed her skills as a director of operations. She quickly noticed that what was holding many business owners back wasn't a lack of driver ability, but a lack of foundational systems that could support the day-to-day operations of scaling a business. These days, she spends her time helping online coaches, copywriters, and course creators scale their businesses without the frustration that massive growth often brings. Listen in to hear Kristen share how she navigated the decision around not wanting to have children versus wanting to have children and the back and forth involved. She shares what triggered her postpartum depression and how it showed up for her. She talks about being thrown for a loop when she got pregnant on the pill. She shares how PPD showed up differently after both of her daughter's birth and how she was able to treat her postpartum depression. She talks about why women are resistant to getting help and support, how to be more adaptable in order to best use our skills and our best skills in all areas of our lives, how to own your skills in order to access them in hard times and hard spaces and places, and how to prioritize and optimize hiring, especially hiring help in your home and in your work to move forward in life. So with all that said, let's dive in with Kristen Westcott. Kristen, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so excited to be joining you today. We have 
such funny, random connections that I, I always like to give people context around how my guests came to be guests. And so Angie Trueblood, who connected me to other podcasters and helped get me, pitch me to other shows for quite a while last fall, recommended you. And she said, I think you two would just completely hit it off. You and Kristen are like, you're going to have a great synergy and let me connect you. And I totally trust Angie. So I was like, yes, absolutely. And then in the meantime, my friend, Jessica, who I do a lot of business masterminding with and constantly talking about building our businesses. And we have been for the last year and a half or so been in this close relationship around business building. And she had told me for months about her new person on her team, Kristen, who's so amazing. And I finally put together just a couple of weeks ago that it's the same Kristen that Angie introduced me to is the Kristen working for Jessica. And here we are, you know, all the people in my world now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the online space is so vast, but at the same time, it's just like in any other community. I know. So funny. So funny. Yeah. It was hilarious when I was like, Jessica, is your Kristen, Kristen Westcott? (laughs) And then she said, yes. Why are you asking? You're making me nervous. I said, no, 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 it's all good. (laughs) She's probably thinking, don't steal her from me. (laughs) No, no, no. I think, I don't know if she thought like, she never explained, but in my mind, I was like, did she think I found out something really bad? Like I heard this horrible story about Kristen Westcott. (laughs) Definitely not the case. So I love small world connections though. And I love it when a relationship, when you have that context around a new, an introduction or a new relationship where you already like know that someone's probably going to be your people because of the other people they're connected to. Yeah, it's true. I mean, our relationships and who we surround ourselves with, whether that's in person or virtually, they really do tell you a lot about that person. Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. And I'll let people know we're recording this just a couple of days before Labor Day weekend for context in, in case you want to add anything relevant to our, this very current time in there. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a mom of two young girls. So my oldest, Ryan, just turned six in June and my youngest, We'll turn four end of September. And one of the things I'm most excited about is here in Ontario. So for your listeners, I am Canadian. And so here in Ontario, we are heading back to school and we've actually opened up our schools for in-school learning. And so that actually is one of the most- seems like a very novel concept. (laughs) This has been the longest March break ever. And they're going to be going back to school next week. Wow. Oh my gosh. And how are your girls feeling about that? Well, my oldest is going from kindergarten to a classroom where you have to sit down and learn. Mm. And she's not too keen on the idea of having (laughs) to actually learn things. Um, So she's hesitant, but my younger one is really excited to be going to big kids school because she's been in daycare from the time that I returned to work when she was a year old. So she's really excited to finally be able to be a big kid like her older sister. So I don't think we're going to have the tears for the first day of school that some other moms Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, what fun ages too. Like school is so, I have an incoming second grader and he's already over like school. (laughs) So, but I feel like in that kindergarten, first grade stage, like it's novel and it's new. And in in the preschool stage, like all of it is just a big deal, like school clothes and backpacks and lunch boxes and all those things are very exciting. Yes, I know. And I mean, it, it does make a little bit you know, a routine task, a chore that's mm-hmm. like, oh God, I got to go do all of this back to school shopping. It does make it more fun when they're actually excited to be doing it with you. So totally. So what are you most excited about professionally? I'm curious with, so you've had your girls out of school, out of care. Have they been fully at home since March? Oh, they have. Okay. (laughs) I honor your tone of voice because it's exactly how I feel. So what will it look like for you professionally when they go back to school? And I feel like you will have this newfound sense of freedom and appreciation of that sense of freedom. Yeah. And that is exactly it. I am an introvert. And so everybody with the pandemic has just kind of been like, oh, it's so nice to be able to kind of stay home and have like that quiet environment. And extroverts are struggling with not being able to, you know, get out there and socialize with people. But as an introvert, I'm struggling with the fact that everybody is home all the time, like 24 seven, I have zero quiet time. And so Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to be able to get some quiet time back to be able to think and do things in my business. Like I'm an organized person by nature, but doesn't matter how organized you are with kids home, right? Like things have got to be flexible. And so 
I'm looking forward to not having to be as flexible with my work time <laughs> to yeah. actually be able to sit down and have those time blocks and get things done and really dive right back in. Yeah. I'm curious if you've had the experience of not being able to complete thoughts or tasks or thinking that you've completed a task, but like you haven't done, for me, this has come up a few times and especially with my team in the podcast where I'll finish something, but then I forget to like send it to the person who needs it it to be handed off to do the next step. So in my mind, it's like crossed off the list because I finished my piece, but I forgot to tell anyone that it was done because I just can't complete a full thought or a full action step. (laughs) Does that resonate for you at all? Oh, yes. I know. I 100% think about that all the time. And it's like one of those things that ends up keeping you up at night and you're like, oh my God, did I actually do that? Or do I just think I did that? Whereas before that was never an issue. Like I had a system and a process and whatever. And now I'm thinking, oh God, the kids came in at that time. Did I actually click send or is it still in draft? And Oh, yes. 100%. The other thing that's come up for me recently is there's a bunch of medical appointments that would have typically happened in a calendar year between like March and now that haven't happened. And the list now is so long. And I was, I'm talking about this very lightheartedly because we're lucky that everyone in our household is currently healthy, but I was listening to information around that there's a bunch of illnesses that people are going to have, people are going to discover because they haven't done their preventative health care during COVID because they just haven't been going to the doctor and going to the dentist and things like that. And my list right now is so long and I'm like, holy cow, this is getting a little scary, but when am I going to have the time to sit down and make like eight appointments, like a physical for myself and my child and dental catch up. And the other day I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't done my annual dermatology appointment or my mammogram, all these things like the catch up just feels very long. And are you in that situation? as well, where you're having to play catch up and thinking that you'll do that when the girls are in school? Yeah. So, I mean, we did the dental appointments this summer. We were very lucky. They opened here in August. So we did the dental thing in the month of August, but our physicians are not seeing people in person yet. And that's a lot of ours is telehealth. So are you doing a lot of telehealth there as well? Yeah. So I'm spending a lot of time on Zoom now, not just talking to other people in the business, but talking to healthcare practitioners. So yeah. yeah. More Zoom. Yay. (laughs) So tell us about your journey into motherhood and where did things, I know there was a place where things got hard for you and how did you navigate that and seek help and support? Yeah. So, I mean, we can take my journey back quite far. We can start right when my kids were born, but I was one of those women that wasn't too sure that he even wanted to have children. Mm. I had this very ambitious mindset of what I wanted to achieve in life and the things I wanted to accomplish. And I just wasn't sure that being a mom was like part of that list and part of my makeup. And my partner and I had to decide we were married for five years. And I was like, I still don't want kids. And he's like, I really thought you'd change your mind. I really do. I'm like, these are the conversations you have before you get married. (laughs) That's a big conversation. (laughs) And he thought, I thought you'd change your mind. And so we really had to sit down and have like a really big heart to heart. And I, I had to really look at what were my reasons for not having children. And, And I decided that, you know, I think I could fit it in. Like, I think it would fit within my vision, right? Like it didn't have to be two separate things like being a mom or being like a career driven woman. And Mm -hmm. so we decided to have children. And so with that in mind, when we had my daughter, everything went great. I was very, very blessed to have a healthy pregnancy, a healthy birth and a great, you know, infant, but we struggled big time with feeding and out of the back end of that, I developed postpartum depression. And so then, of course, that spiraled even more because I didn't even want kids. And now here I am stuck in this depression. I just kept thinking, I didn't even want to have a baby. Right stuck with this baby. And and that seems like a real long punishment. Like, I mean, we had a lot of feeding issues too. And in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, like I just signed up for 18 years of something that could be real, real hard. Yeah. And it was. And so I never experienced depression before. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like I have a new appreciation for women and I mean, all people, I guess, like who live with this every day of their life and maybe have been living it with it from the time they were a child or a teenager, because this was all new to me. And it was about a year coming out of my first pregnancy before I started to feel like that fog was lifting. And then six months later, I got pregnant again, well Mm -hmm. on the birth control pill. 
Oh and gosh. so that threw me, again, my ambitious mindset for a loop. Mm-hmm. I'd returned to work. I was getting ready to kind of climb that corporate ladder. And, oh, guess what? You're pregnant again. It's like, how? Like, how could I be pregnant? I was on the pill. And so that kind of threw my second pregnancy mindset for a loop of like, this wasn't planned. And I felt totally ripped off because I just started bonding with my first daughter around the year mm-hmm. mark. And now six months later, I was pregnant. And I thought, I'm never going to get that motherly bond with her because I didn't establish it in the first year. And that's not the case. Like, I'm very close to both my girls now. But this was what was going through my head. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, when you have postpartum the first time, there's very high chances that you're going to get it a second time. And I did. And it was worse. Um, And it came with anxiety. And I had to be really, I had to be heavily medicated. There were definitely some very negative thoughts going through my mind at the time that I was experiencing that. And so... We fought through that and that one took a little bit longer to come out of, but it's, yeah, my journey into motherhood was not a great start, but like I said, Mm -hmm. now my girls are almost four and six and we have a really great relationship, a really great bond. And even though it didn't develop when they, you know, within that first six to eight weeks, like they like to talk about, I wouldn't train the lessons that I learned and the person I've grown into because of those challenges I don't think I would have been able to learn all of those things I did about myself had it come yeah. through another way. Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about what, because I know depression looks like a million different things and postpartum depression looks like a million different things. And you even just said between the two separate times, it looked different and uh, represented differently. Can you talk about what symptoms or what life looked like that was different from the norm in after you each of the girl's births and how those depressive symptoms manifested themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So for my first child, I was sad all the time. And I thought this is beyond the baby blues, right? This is, it's gone beyond that whole, (laughs) you know, six week, eight week mark. I was just, nothing could raise my spirits. Like I was just down in the dumps all the time. But in addition to that, there was that lack of attachment to the baby. And again, it could have been the feeding issues. It could have just been part of the depression, but I felt like if someone had come to me and said, okay, thank you for taking such good care of this baby, but we have a home for them now, I would have been like, okay, here she is. Here's her carrier. Here's her bag. Is there anything else you need? Like, I just, Mm -hmm. I had zero sense of like, this is yours to keep, right? Like, this is your Was that concerning to you? Did you have a sense that like that should feel different or were you like neutral to it? I was absolutely, and I think that was part of the depression. I was like, I shouldn't feel this way. Like all these other moms that I'm watching in these baby groups. And then I made, I shouldn't say the mistake, but you know, there's that get a community around you of people in the same place as where you are. And so I joined a mom group. And for me with depression, that was not a good choice. If you don't have depression, I think it's a fabulous way, (laughs) but you're the only one in that group that is exhibiting outward signs of depression and everybody else is loving every moment with their baby Mm. and smiling and cooing and, And I was just like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? Like, who are these women? And how can they feel that way about these tiny little things that all they do is eat, sleep and poop and they're on your boob and it hurts and I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. And all I saw was like the changes, the challenges of motherhood. I didn't see any joy. And I was surrounded by women who were seeing that joy. And then I thought, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Maybe I really wasn't cut out to be a mom. And my initial instincts, you know, a few years ago were correct, where I shouldn't have been a mom because obviously I can't do this. I'm not good at it. I'm not bonding with this baby. I don't have that same kind of affection that all these other women are. And so I definitely thought there was something wrong with me. Oh my gosh. And hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, 
possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. With your second daughter, it was more severe. It was, and along with it, it came, and I almost didn't identify it at the beginning because it came out as anger. And so rather than that deep sadness, it was like anger. Like I was mad at everything. And here I had a two-year-old and an infant. And like, I was just so mad and I would snap and like everything would frustrate me. Like there was nothing in my life that didn't make me angry. And I was like, I'm not by nature a person who has a temper and I'm not somebody who, like you have to push me very far before I'm Mm going to snap back at you. Mm And I was snapping at the drop of the hat with everything, like biting everybody's head off, yelling at my two-year-old for no reason, and then feeling guilty because I'd screamed at a two-year-old and they're two. And same thing, like yelling at the baby when she was crying and what's wrong with you? I don't know what's wrong with you. And I'm thinking, okay, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you (laughs) everybody? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that actually, my, my husband gently pointed out to me that, you know, perhaps this was you know, part of a postpartum depression and that maybe I should talk to somebody about it. So (laughs) he was very gentle about it and suggesting that maybe this was part of what I'd experienced the last time coming out in a different way. And Mm -hmm. of course I yelled at him, but then after that, (laughs) (laughs) that's okay. I would too. (laughs) And then I got thinking about it and I connected with some really great, a really great women's program that they have run out of the medical offices here in Ontario. Nice. Nice. So for you to help and support look like, it sounds like it was medication. It was like therapeutic kind of support. Anything else? Yeah. My mother, Mm -mm. (laughs) I'm so blessed. My mom lives close to me and she was there every single day. As soon as she saw these signs coming out, she literally dropped everything and came every day that my husband wasn't home. So when he returned to work and he had to be gone Monday to Friday, nine to five, she would show up about a half hour after he left and stay till he got home to make sure that everybody was okay. <laughs> what a gift. You know, and she really helped, especially with the second one with the two-year-old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, she kind of just took over helping my two-year-old with all the things, right? Potty training and eating and whatever, so that I could just feed the baby and, and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I was very lucky that my mother was so close and able to support me through that. Yeah. Were you open to help and support? And are you someone who typically is open to getting help and support? I am. Yeah, I am a big, I mean, I should say my mom's a nurse. And so Mm -hmm. I was raised in this idea that it's never a negative thing to get support Mm -hmm. and that it's actually healthier to address it earlier on, right? Like preventative medicine, like we were just talking about rather than reactive. I was also raised by a single mom. And Mm -hmm. so I think our relationship was a little bit different than maybe would have been had I been raised with my father in the household. Mm -hmm. And so we had that very different relationship where she was teaching me all of these things that women kind of need to be careful about with hormones and all that kind of stuff. And so I've always been open to going to seek out help, to connecting with people, to when I was a child, my parents divorced. And so I'd been in therapy for that. And so I was very open to that fact that this is kind of a process that you need to kind of surround yourself with the people to get through whatever is challenging at the moment. Yeah. This episode is supported by Take Two Minutes. So Take Two Minutes is a nonprofit dedicated to helping improve your happiness by using text messaging to help engage you in activities that bring you joy and allow you to tap into your gratitude and do all these good things that I'm always talking about here, right? So we know that there's been some bumps in the road this year, and maybe you find yourself waking up every morning a little on the glum side. (laughs) And so we know that tapping into gratitude on a regular basis can really, really impact your mental health and impact your ability to find joy and create happiness for yourself on a daily basis. So with Take Two Minutes, it's completely free. And when you join, you're going to automatically start receiving daily positivity text messages. You get to pick the time of day that they bounce into your phone. And in addition to the daily positive messages, you're also going to be prompted to engage in other activities that are backed by research and known to help people elevate their moods, including gratitude journaling, daily meditations, grounding exercises, and even special little activities like their three good things exercise. Take two minutes includes so many great prompts and great ways for you to take a minute 
and decide what you want your day to look like and to tap into some positivity. So they also have groups where you can do this in communication with other people and in conjunction with other people. And their group function is great if you're a parent and you want to set up a group with your kids so that you can all hold each other accountable for your gratitude practice or even just really using that as a way to model gratitude practice is fantastic. But it's also great if you're part of an organization, maybe with a group of moms or a group of coworkers, and you want to all use it together. That can be really helpful too to keep you accountable and also create joy throughout whatever your community is that you want to be spreading the joy in. On the back end of Take Two Minutes, they have amazing and adorable apparel that you have to check out, especially if you're needing some gifts for Christmas time, but for the holiday season. When you go to taketwominutes.org, you can go to their shop and they're offering our listeners 15% off. So to get started with Take Two Minutes, you're going to go to take two, the number two, minutes.org slash shameless. That's T-A-K-E, the number two, minutes.org slash shameless. And that will allow you to get started with your take two minutes positivity text right away. And then if you want to go to their shop, you can use the code shameless to get 15% off your purchase. That's take two minutes.org slash shameless. And then if you choose to shop, it's code shameless to save 15%. So I know that women tend to, I love that you are open to support and open to help. I know that a lot of women are really resistant to getting help. And I think moms in particular are really conditioned to take on this dynamic of like that we can do it all. We should do it all. It makes us look really great if we do do it all. And so why do you think women particularly are resistant to getting help in various areas of their life? Okay. So I should say I'm very open to getting help in the medical field, but I've had resistance myself to getting domestic help and to Mm. putting my children in daycare. And I think, again, just like you were saying, it comes from Interesting distinction that you'd be open to like one thing, but not another. Cause I didn't have that. Well, I want to share this example before you go into yours. Cause it's, I think it's relevant to what you just shared. So you had this experience of having your mom come in and help and being really open to that and being so appreciative that she was, you know, had this medical background. And so I had a lot of issues with nursing and I was open to getting professional help around it, but I also was not open to like well, maybe you should just do formula. (laughs) I was like, no, I'm going to figure this out. I got it. I got it. I got it. And it just like wore me into the ground. And I was very resistant to not, I just thought I'm going to fix this and I'm going to figure it out. And a lot of people in my world were like, there's a way easier way to do this. And I couldn't see that or embrace that. So um, I love that you were like, I'm okay with having my mom come in and help me all day. Like that would have driven me crazy. I think to have anyone come in my house and help me all day although it would have helped a ton. So I'm going to let you take it from there. But I think this is interesting to see the contrast between those two types. So I'll let you take it from there. Yeah. And even like within yourself to think I'm okay for help with this, but not okay to get help with this. Mm-hmm. Like this I should be able to do on my own. And yeah, I mean, we are raised that way, women. It's very much a North American cultural way that you raise your children is that you need to be strong. If we want to fight for equality, then you really need to make sure that you show that you can handle it. You can do it all. You don't need support. You are just as qualified to be up at the top as anybody else and don't show any sign of weakness. And we equate getting support and help with weakness rather than seeing that men out there don't get to the top (laughs) unless they have support, Mm -hmm. you know, they have support in their home. They have support at work. They have Mm -hmm. assistants that support them. But as women, we're taught like, no, you can do it Mm -hmm. all on your own and you are strong. And and we are, we are, and we can, but we shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like we really do need to lean into our communities. This isn't the way it's been historically, like families and communities raised children and families and communities supported each other. And it's just been in this last, like, I don't know, 50, 60 years that we've really started this narrative around do it all on your own, you know, like, and the feminist movement has been fantastic for gaining equality, but I think also it's kind of perpetuated some of these ideas about what women quote unquote should be doing Mm -hmm. with their lives rather than allowing every woman to make their own decision about what's right for them and Mm -hmm. their family and their community. Yeah. So you, it sounds like you started to say that you were open to getting uh, medical support and help and in that way, but in other ways you have been resistant to getting help. Can you talk a little bit about that piece for you personally? Yeah. So we're very fortunate to be in a position where we can afford 
to bring somebody in to watch our children. So, you know, we have the financial means to get childcare support, whether that looked like daycare or what that looked like. And again, I was very resistant to doing that because again, there's this idea that, well, you had children for a reason. Don't you want to raise them till they're Mm. school aged? And don't you, maybe you go back into the workforce when there are full days in school and, I thought, no, I want to go back to work now. I've been home with this baby for a year and I'm ready to go back. But Mm -hmm. there was that resistance to get that support to help someone raise the child with me. And then also domestic help in the sense that we, I'll openly share this now. We have a cleaning lady that comes every other week to our house. And prior to that, like prior to about, I'd say even a couple years ago, when after my second was born, we had a cleaning lady and I told nobody. And I told my husband, don't you let anybody know. Don't you tell your mother. That's so interesting. I would make the cleaning lady come after everyone had left for work and she had to be home, like done by whatever. And then if anyone wanted to pick something up from my house, I'd be like, sure. But the only day you can't really do it is like Thursday. And they'd be like, oh, okay. No one questioned why, but that's because that's the day the cleaning lady was there. And I didn't want anyone knowing we had a cleaning lady. Like because you wanted it to be perceived that you did that all on your own. Exactly. My house was beautiful and clean and sparkling and I worked full time and I cooked healthy meals and I was raising these kids and I could do it all. Now, that is so interesting. (laughs) Is it common? So I'm also curious, like in Canada, and I know that it's not that different than the US, but is it not very common for people to have people come clean their houses? Or was this just your own thing? Right. So if it is, it's not talked about. And again, I think the circle of friends I was surrounded by, it was not. So the financial means were not there for them to to bring in that kind of support. Okay. And then also my husband's side of the family is very, still very traditional, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're very, very involved in the Anglican church. They're very, very traditional. And so I was actually told by his grandmother and again, it's grandma, but you know, like I should be staying home with the children and this mm. is my job and my role in the family and whatever else. I'm not, oh, great. If they find out not only am I not staying home with the kids, but also I'm not cleaning the house, like, or, you know, so that I order food to be delivered a couple of times a week so that the ingredients are there and I've just got to chop it up and throw it in a pot. Like yeah. I am, you know, lacking on all areas of what it means to be a woman, right? Oh my gosh. This is so fascinating because I take such pride in like someone else. We haven't had cleaners since COVID started, but I keep thinking, I'm like, how are we going to reintegrate this? And at this point I would be comfortable having people come in the house and having masks on and cleaning, but our household is just so full of people and pets right now. I'm like, I don't want to add another, I wouldn't feel comfortable with for the cleaner's sake, just to have all this chaos around them while they're cleaning. But it's so interesting, different social dynamics, because I operate and have friendships and relationships with many entrepreneurs who have had decent success. And for them, they're like, if you're cleaning your own house, then that's time taken away from like building your empire and building your business and being of service to other people. And so just a completely opposite mindset than what you have been around bringing help into the home. And I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and I've only really been like totally immersed in the online space for about three years now, like since Mm -hmm. my second child was born and prior to that, it was very corporate Mm -hmm. and the corporate mentality in Canada is such that you just, you do it all right. You (laughs) there's, you know, that hidden labor market of domestic support is not something you talk about. Interesting. I'm like, I'm learning so much about Canadians right now. <laughs> well, I don't I want to typecast for no, all Canada. I, I, this right, is right. the community that I'm, yeah, I'm in yeah, and the network yeah. of people that I'm around. Yeah. yeah. But super interesting. And I'm also, this is something I always have to remind myself, like I'm in Seattle, which is definitely people who have more means than many other people in the country. I mean, that doesn't mean all of everyone in Seattle has a lot of financial means, but it's a high tech city. So, and then I'm also in a super progressive city. So there's a lot of very strong feminist views and a lot, you know, I'm just surrounded by a lot of people who are in in similar situations to myself. And so I love and really, really appreciate learning what the world looks like for other people. I was actually just listening to a podcast this morning and where there were some conversations very similar to what we're talking about right now uh, around like women, traditional roles of women that are still upheld in so many communities across the country and especially around guilt around deciding to work outside the home. And in my mind, like in Seattle, I know hardly any women who do not work outside the home. I mean, I could count them on one hand. And so it's fascinating to me that there's other women who 
hardly know anyone who does work outside the home that is not looked kindly upon and that that's looking like you're deciding to choose a career over your family. And that's definitely not, you know, embraced in certain communities still in 2020, which is mind blowing to me. So I love hearing these stories and hearing what this can look like from one group to another. And I know it's not necessarily between one country and another, but just across communities, I think it's really interesting. And I think it actually helps us have more understanding and connection and compassion and empathy when we can see that different people are operating in different systems with different beliefs and have progressed and grown in different ways. And we can recognize that. And I can have more compassion for someone who I know has maybe not been exposed to the same thing or been around the same people or ideas as me. And I can be in conversation versus be in a place of judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really important. So can you talk about the impact that can come from not having the support that you need? Well, I mean, there's, it's definitely takes the joy out of your life for Mm -hmm. sure. If you're thinking, you know, that you're trying to do it all on your own, whether that is in the home or at work or with your health or, you know, in any department of your life, if you're really trying to like do it all on your own and not getting support, Mm -hmm. there's that impact on your joy, but also your ability to create really great relationships with other people because you're constantly in the back of your mind stressed out or worried about how you're going to be getting things done or somebody finding out that you have support that you don't want them finding out. Like it really can impact your ability to connect with others, even just, you know, like a work relationship. If you're constantly in the back of your mind thinking, okay, when I finish work, I've got to do this and then that, and then kids have to go here and then I have to get this ready to go. And oh my goodness, it's going to be 11 by that point. Like you can't be present and in the moment and form those relationships. Your brain is having to make a hundred different decisions. And we already make far too many decisions in a day. But now when you don't have that added support, you're adding a whole other layer of decisions you have to make. You know, especially if you're time strapped, you're thinking, okay, well, only one of these things can happen today. (laughs) Which one is it going to be? That's a decision you would have to make if you had somebody else kind of supporting you in those areas. Absolutely. How do we identify the support that we need? Mm, That's a great question. I like to look at it. I mean, I'm a big fan of journaling and, you know, whether you're like very logical, pragmatic like me, or whether you're more spiritual or woo, like some of my friends, journaling is still a great way to get it all out of your head. And so I like to really kind of journal anything that's frustrating me, any areas where I'm feeling like there's just too much to do. I don't have the time or I'm feeling overwhelmed. I know that's an overused word, but it's still kind of the best word that comes to mind is like anything that I, that I write it out and I write and I write and I write and I create these lists of all these things. And then I start looking at them and I'm like, Hmm, there's a theme here. <laughs> there's yeah. a theme to this list of what's frustrating me or what's stressing me out or what I'm, you know, waking up over at nighttime. And that theme is, and then I look at whatever that theme is and think, okay, well, (laughs) what can I do to kind of alleviate this for me? Is it asking for help? Is it setting better boundaries? (laughs) Is it, you know, bringing in support in my home or is it bringing in support in my business? Really? And I really have to look at that. And so for everybody who's listening, it's going to look different for you. You really have to look at what are the things that are stressing you out or are causing you frustration or are waking you up at night. Mm -hmm. Those are the areas that you can kind of maybe try to identify what type of support you might need to alleviate that for you. Absolutely. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. 
I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. And I think that This actually came up for us, and I've shared this on the show before, but when we were considering having a second child and we went to therapy together, my husband and I, because in my mind, I was like, if we decide to go for this, I don't understand where this second child will fit into our lives because my plate felt so overwhelmingly full already. And one of the things that the therapist, and this is, it was such a fascinating conversation because I was able to see that I had filled my plate very unconsciously on my own not because anyone required me to fill it nearly as full as I had. I just chose to do that. And to your point around all of the shoulds, like I should do this and this and this, and this is what a strong woman does and a feminist does. And she manages all these things. She doesn't ask for help because she is going to just be a badass all on her own. And so the therapist said, well, you know, if you decide to have another child, it's not like 100% of that goes onto your plate. And also you're always invited to take things off of your plate that you don't want on there anymore to make room for other things. And this was all so eye-opening to me and so helpful for me to think, oh, wait, if I want to prioritize something, I can make whatever space I want to make for that. And I can like let a whole bunch of other things fall right off that plate real quick. (laughs) And, And that's okay. Or I could look at my husband's plate and be like, oh, interesting. Yours is only like 65% full great. (laughs) Let's like shift some ratios here um, and make things happen. So it was a very interesting and eye-opening conversation that shifted how I saw the much of the burden that I brought on myself and then also saw how I can make space for things. And that that was something that we, I think that women and especially high achieving and high performing perfectionistic kind of women have to conscientiously do is like, constantly making space for the things that are most important and conscientiously choosing these are the things I'm bringing in and these are the things I'm like passing to someone else or just deciding that aren't going to get done anymore or whatever that case may be. Yeah. I'm an avid reader, right? So I don't think you know that about me, but that if anyone asks me what is my hobby, like that is it. I don't Mm -hmm. run. I don't, you know, scrapbook or whatever I read. Like I am an avid reader. And I was actually reading a book this spring called Permission Granted. And it's by Melissa Camara Wilkins, I think is how you say her name. And that's exactly what she's talking about is how we unconsciously fill our plates and our calendars so full that there is not room to breathe. And that most of the time it's us making those decisions. It's not people pressuring us or requesting that of us that do it to ourselves because we just think we should be doing more and doing all the things. And again, I love social media, but there's an element of that that kind of plays into these tendencies where you see other people doing things and you're thinking, oh, I should be doing that. Like, how come I didn't get back to school photos for my kids? Or, (laughs) oh, I didn't take them to the pumpkin patch this year or whatever it happens to be. And you put that on yourself, you're like, better pad that to the calendar. Like, Mm -hmm. Does that fit with your view of motherhood? Does that fit with what your family would enjoy? Are you just going to be dragging grumpy children to get this done just so that you've done it the same as every other mom, quote unquote, every other mom, because you see I like real on Instagram. This episode is supported by Homeschool Magnet. 
So this is for parents who want to homeschool, might be thinking about homeschooling. Maybe you already do homeschool, but you're totally overwhelmed. If you are feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders right now, especially as it comes to your children's education, then Homeschool Magnet might be able to really, really help you out and support you. So Homeschool Magnet supports homeschooling families by providing students with instruction from world-class credentialed teachers in a remote classroom with their peers. So parents get to choose the best teachers for each student based on values and teaching approach to ensure that every child is receiving exactly the education they desire. This puts you as the parent in full control of your children's education without the daily responsibility of lesson planning, pre-learning, teaching, tutoring, and grading. I know a number of people who are working on homeschooling for the first time this year, and I know it's been a lot of trial and error to try to figure things out, and it's felt like a huge, massive level of responsibility and a really big commitment, which it is. And Homeschool Magnet can really help ease some of that burden. So with Homeschool Magnet, each student will receive instruction in four core subject areas like math, English, language, arts, science, and social studies. Parents ultimately have the freedom to involve their students as much or as little as they prefer based on each student's learning goals. Other online schools do exist, but Homeschool Magnet is totally unique because even though Homeschool Magnet includes a robust online learning environment, each student works with real physical learning materials guided by video instruction, and they also allow for some group video calls and socialization across their platform. So you are getting some of the benefits of socialization and not having your kids just being isolated at home homeschooling. So with Homeschool Magnet, you get the freedom and the control of homeschooling without the burden. And it's only a fraction of the cost of private schools, and they have a 30-day money-back guaranteed upon enrollment. That makes this choice so low risk, essentially risk-free. Plus, enrollment and tuition are on a per-semester basis, so you're only committing for a short period of time, giving you even more flexibility and control to shape your child's education. To learn more about Homeschool Magnet student experiences and get all the details, you're going to go to homeschoolmagnet.com and you can join their wait list. So again, you're going to go to homeschoolmagnet.com. When you go to the upper right corner, there is a little button where you can fill out the form to get on the wait list and get more information. Also at the bottom of that, as you're filling it out, you want to check the box or the drop down that says that you learned about Homeschool Magnet from a podcast. So just go to homeschoolmagnet.com and get yourself connected. I love that you use the example of going back to school because I know for me, I was kind of looking forward to not getting super into the whole back to school parade because we're not like really going back to school in some, in a sense. And it's funny going into this week, I thought, so we're recording this, that many people are going back to school and going into this week, I thought like, we're not really going to do anything. Like my kid's not getting a haircut or anything. Well, (laughs) that was how I felt on Monday. And the way our school is managing back to school is that every student comes in to have a little meeting with their teacher, distanced meeting with their teacher on the playground, just to have a meet and greet. And I start seeing these pictures midweek rolling out on social media of these kids who are like in their Sunday best for their meet and greet with their new haircuts and their new shoes. And I was like, our meet and greet's not till Friday. So I was like, oh my gosh, got to schedule the haircut and get the shoes. (laughs) And it's very much what you said. It's looking at what someone else is doing on social media and then thinking, oh shoot, I'm failing. I have to go do that thing. Or I have to fit into that mold or that's like the right way to do it. And we even when I have an awareness around that, I still get caught up in it, which is so frustrating because I don't want to be that person. Yeah. And I'm the same way, right? Like I'm not a Pinterest crafty person, but when my girl's birthdays come around, like I'm on there trying to create all the decorations and all like the Pinterest worthy <laughs> spreads at the party for what? My three-year-old, right. my six-year-old and the grandparents. Like, <laughs> right, right. 100%. So that's, and I think this speaks to adaptability and adoptability. Like how do we want to adapt and what do we want to adopt? And one of the things that I've talked about a lot on the show is I've talked about how we can take all the things that we learn in motherhood. And you've given many great examples of the ways that you learn to be adaptable and different things that you were able to adopt in motherhood to cope and grow and thrive and support your children in doing the same. And I talk a lot about how we can use those skills in the workplace or in building businesses to be resourceful and resilient and to really own some of the skills that motherhood gives us by default and own them in a way that empowers us in the workplace. I also think that one of the things that we miss is how our work has prepared us for motherhood and taking what we've learned from working in organizations and or building our businesses, whichever the case may be, and applying that to motherhood. 
So can you talk about how we can use our skills in either direction to support those roles? Because I think this is really important. And I know this is some of what you do in your business is you help you support other women's businesses in really significant ways. Yeah. I love that we're talking about this because I feel like we still have this idea of everything being so separate, right? Like I have Mm -hmm. one way I am at work and I have a way I dress and a way I talk and a way I, you know, just a way of being. And then I have another me at home. And when we separate that, it's like we almost have to have separate identities and it can get confusing about, well, who am I today? And who am I in this space? And how am I supposed to show up? Instead of looking at the fact that we are who we are and we can actually meld some of those identities and those skills because they are fundamental core parts of of our being. So for example, as mothers, we learn to be able to respond to things very quickly. We have to be able to pivot on a dime when a situation is going downhill to be able to head that off in another direction or distract a toddler before the tantrum comes. You know, like we just learn how to be able to kind of shift and go with the flow and head off conflict, right? We learn how to prioritize things and those priorities shift very, very quickly when you are at home with children. And these are things that we don't think about that we can bring into that corporate space, right? Mm -hmm. Colleagues and coworkers are not always going to get along. And if you can kind of step in and kind of head off that conflict or redirect a conversation that is going that route in the midst of a board meeting, right? Like those are really powerful skills to have and to be able to reprioritize, right? When someone comes to you with a new project and they toss it on your already full to-do list, to be able to kind of be able to quickly rejig that list and redo timelines just on the fly, right? These are things that we just do within our homes that we aren't thinking of as skills that translate into either the corporate world or into your business. Right. Absolutely. I also think that looking in the other direction at like how, what we've done professionally can support what we do in motherhood. And I think because motherhood, I think you and I had this commonality that we both were somewhat jarred by the experience. And I think that if we can look at the big hard things we've done professionally or the times we've had to shift and pivot and be adaptable and learn to function in new and different ways in a work environment, then we can also apply that to motherhood. And I wish that I had had that insight because when I was in it and it felt so hard and so overwhelming and everything was so unexpected. Like I had this vision of what I thought it would look like. It looked nothing like that. And if I could have reminded myself, but you've been here before professionally, you've been in situations where nothing was what you thought it was going to be. And you've built something from nothing and you've been able to figure things out. I would have felt so much like I had so much more power in those moments and early on in motherhood. And I couldn't make that connection at all. And now, you know, hindsight, now I'm like, oh, obviously, like I'm so much more adaptable than I thought I was. So I'm hoping women listening, if you're especially in, if you're in a sticky place in motherhood or early on and feeling some of that loss of or lack or loss of power can embrace some of that. And is that relatable to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was one of those things when I first went back to work after having children, I was like, man, like I've got it together at work. Like I am on top of it. Like nothing Mm -hmm. falls through the cracks. Like everything is just like, it's planned, it's structured, whatever. And then I come home and it's like mayhem. (laughs) (laughs) What on earth happened? Like I am the same person. Why can I not get it together at home? And Mm -hmm. I started to look at, okay, well, when I'm at work, I have a structure I have a routine. I have systems and processes in place for how we go through this project or how this kind of happens. And I thought, all right, well, I'm not going to be like super strict drill sergeant mom at home, but there's no reason why I can't take some of that structure that I have and create a structure in my home that works. And so like the structure, the routines, the systems are now things that I've now put in place at home. So again, like we have a meal planning system. We have a structure to our day. Like when my kids come home from school now, like we have a routine of the shoes come off, you wash your hands, the backpacks get empty, right? Like those are things. And it just seems so natural in the work mm-hmm. world to have those, but not so natural to have those kinds of things in the home. And I thought right. as soon as I put those things into place, I was like, oh my goodness, this is much more manageable. Like it's right. still chaos, but it's like manageable chaos. <laughs> right. You know, it's so interesting when you talk about being at work and having this sense of yourself, like I'm really organized, I'm on top of things, I got it. And then home being just mayhem. And I love that contrast. I mean, not that I don't love that you had to live it, but I think it's very relatable, that contrast. And what's funny or not funny probably, but interesting is that I think when we have those two really significant contrasts, 
as women, or maybe it's just me, I tend to think that like, oh, this chaotic mayhem situation, like this is the real me and I have a lot of work I need to do rather than looking at the place where I'm shining and thriving and, and thinking that's the real me. And I think that if we could switch that and be like, oh, but I know that like the real me is very capable of organization and systems and all these things to function and thrive in optimal levels and then apply that in the place that where I'm suffering or struggling. Again, it goes back to having so much more power, but I think that women are conditioned to think that like, well, I'm kind of faking it in that place where it looks like I'm thriving right now. And actually like the real me is the mayhem place and what like something needs to be done about this. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, right? We've been taught that phrase for so long, like fake it till you make it. And I feel Mm -hmm. like, again, this, that message of you have to be as strong and as powerful or whatever as men, if you want to kind of make it anywhere, we've internalized that. And so we, even if we don't feel strong or we don't feel powerful or we don't feel like we deserve to be there in the room with the men, we are putting that front up. And Mm -hmm. so then we start to think that, okay, well, this isn't who we are, but it really Mm -hmm. is. We just haven't recognized that within ourselves yet. We haven't done the inner work to be confident with the fact that that is our identity. That is who we are. And we just have been granted permission to step into it in the corporate space, but maybe haven't granted ourselves permission to step into that on the home front. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, we talked in the very beginning about support and asking for help and bringing support in. And so what can we do if we are looking to bring in support, what's your advice on when to hire and bring support in? And what is your advice on what we can do beforehand to optimize hiring and to optimize bringing in support? Oh, I love this question. And so I like to do, I like to really kind of make a list of all of those things that are like everything that is frustrating me, right? So whether that's at home or in my business, I'm looking at like, I'm making a list going, oh my goodness, like I hate that every time I turn around, there's dog hair on the floor or this bag is here. (laughs) That is my life story right there, the dog hair. (laughs) And I'm looking at that and I'm going, okay. And so I'm making my list of frustrations. I do the same thing in my business. Like, oh, I hate having to go in and schedule this email. Oh, I wish, you know, I could just have this done on autopilot, right? And I make those lists and then I look at them and I go, okay, (laughs) first of all, which is frustrating me more? Mm-hmm. email scheduling or the dog hair. And that's how I determine whether I'm going to hire in home or whether I'm going to hire in my business first. And I like to make it, that decision from that place of what is going to shift that for me energetically. Because mm-hmm. if I don't make that energetic shift, I'm exhausted all the time. And when you're exhausted, you can't show up as yourself as a mom. You can't show up as yourself in your business or at work. Like you're just run down. And so if I can get some of those things off my plate that are going to help give me back a little bit that energy, so that's what I do is I look at what is really draining that energy, like what is sucking the life yeah. out of me right now. And that's yeah. what I look at for hiring. And so for me, that was bringing in a housekeeper, right. Or, you know, hiring. I mean, they're different everywhere you go, but like, you know, fresh foods and whatever, having those meal boxes delivered mm-hmm. to your doorstep with the fresh ingredients. Mm-hmm. And so getting one of those delivered for just even twice a week, you know, like I don't need a five day a week one yet, but just twice a week, if I have like something to go to, I'm good. Yeah. And so that's what I started looking at is, okay, then I can get that taken care of. You know, I don't need to have a really big process in place for that. I have my order online and I go in and I just go in every Friday and refill my order for the next week mm-hmm. to have that fresh box delivered. So I put like the system in place is like every Friday morning, I sit down and I go in and I just put in my order. So same thing, if you do grocery ordering online where you go in and you just do the pickup, right? Or the click and collect delivery, I'd go in and I think, okay, so I want to have lots of groceries for the weekend because that's when I like to do my prep for the week. I go in Friday morning, I put my order in for my you know, groceries and I put my order in for the box to be delivered to my house. That gets dropped off on Friday and then I have my weekend to kind of prep. So before I hire out a service, I like to try and get a little bit prepared. So before I brought a housekeeper in, I went through each room and thought, okay, what is it I ideally want done in this room? What is it I'm doing? And what is it I'm not doing that I really want done? And how often do I want it done? And I I just kind of ran through some of those things in my head so that when I met with somebody, I was able to actually give them information on what it is I wanted because I had hired one housekeeper before that I didn't give all that information to and then I was disappointed with them. Mm. And I was like, well, but why am I paying for? Like, that yeah, was- we can't expect people to be mind readers. Right. So you need to kind of prepare, like, what is it you really want? And what is your big stickler? So for me, it's the bathrooms, right? Like mm. if I see, you know, stuff in the bathrooms, I don't, the rest of the house can be beautifully and sparkly clean. But if there's like the bathrooms look grungy, forget it. Might as well not clean the rest of my house. <laughs> so I let them know that I'm like, just so you know, like, you know, yes, these are all the things I want done, but like my biggest thing is the bathrooms in the kitchen. Right. Mm -hmm. And so 
if you're going to be spending any extra time on a place in the house, these are the places to devote the time. If there's a little dust in the bedroom, whatever, you know, but if I find like soap scum or whatever in the tub after you've cleaned it, like I'm going to be a little bit disappointed because, Mm -hmm. you know, and so being clear about that before you hire and clear about the expectations and really what you're looking for can help you bring the right support into the home. And then when in your business, if you're looking to hire in your business, same thing, right? really looking at all of those things that you had on your list and going, okay, these are the things I want to get rid of right now. And these are the things I'd like to do later on. Like for instance, like I hired a virtual assistant to really help me with that back end, the tech connections, sending out and scheduling emails, that kind of stuff. But I don't have somebody doing Facebook ads yet. Mm-hmm. And that is on my list, right? Like I would love to not have to deal with any of that stuff. So that's on my list of like, when, you know, when I get these other systems in place, because I haven't run my ads long enough yet for me to be able to be confident to hand them over to somebody else and just be totally hands off. Yeah. And so that's where I need to do a little bit more prep to bring that person into my business so that I know what I'm doing. I know enough about the metrics. I know what my click-through rate should be before I'm paying somebody else to monitor that. And then they're giving me results and I'm like, hmm, those are not the results I was getting when I was doing it myself. So I you know, need to ask you a little bit more about your experience with the market yeah. that I'm in, right? Yeah. I love that answer. And I love, so one of the things that I learned from a business coach a couple of years ago was around hiring and specificity. And so the examples that you've just given are so great because I think that many of us think, so first to your point around energy and what's like sucking energy for me for a long time, it was dinner every night. Like why does dinner have to happen every night? Can we just not have dinner sometimes? I hate having to figure it out. And so yes, systematizing that, love that. And that was something that I had to do because I was recognizing what an energy suck it was. Like it would start at two in the afternoon. Like what are we going to have? And why do I always have to decide? And like all this stuff. So that was a big thing. But then the next step was looking more closely at what am I going to hire and how am I going to hire around specificity that around exactly what you said, the things that are sucking my energy the most or the things that really bother me the most. And what I learned from a coach a few years ago was I had previously been, and I had this, you know, I owned a gym in my previous career. And if I was going to hire a trainer, I was just like, Hey, looking for a trainer instead of I'm looking for a trainer specifically to do these tasks or uh, looking for an assistant specifically for these things. So now you can still take a title and a virtual assistant is a great example because I think a lot of us are like, Hey, I need a virtual assistant. Does anyone have any recommendations? Instead of saying, I need a virtual assistant specifically to do these five things. And then you can hire someone who has those exact skills rather than a virtual assistant who can do a whole lot of things like kind of mediocre, like look for the virtual, the VA who has the five skills that you want done and they really shine in those five areas. And that's been huge for me in hiring. It's also been huge for me and it's been huge for me in hiring in my business, but also in bringing support into the household as well. And even in conversations with my husband around who's going to do what and what are we both best at and all, I mean, in so many ways, because it's not just about like someone needs to clean the house. It's about like, I'm willing, like, I don't want my husband to vacuum because he's not going to get into the corners, you know? So I will, during the pandemic, I'm doing the vacuuming, (laughs) but there's other things that like, he's great at scrubbing toilets. (laughs) He's great at picking up dog poop. Thank God. So I love it. Okay. This has been so great. So can you tell people how you support women in their businesses and then where they can find you as well? Yeah. So I do business growth and systems strategy. And so I support women in, I do VIP days and consulting around, you know, strategically planning out your quarter, how you're going to meet those revenue goals. You know, what is your strategic suite of offers so that you're not just Mm -hmm. kind of continuing to throw spaghetti at the wall, right? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Mapping all of that out. I help people hire their project managers or their, you know, their right-hand person, And I also help them kind of, again, like map out their funnels or their plans and that kind of stuff. So really kind of helping people get really strategy and systems focused because, you know, I've been doing this for a while and I've seen so many women, they are just, they're working 24 (laughs) seven, they leave a nine to five and then they work a seven, you know, seven to seven. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of that can be eradicated with some strategy in place and some systems. And so that's what I do really is I kind of help people look at what is it that they've been doing and what's working and evaluate what's not working and get a system in place so that we can do more of what's working to really reduce the amount of time they're spending in their business while still making a big impact and still having the revenue come in that they need to. And and obviously then the goal from there is to grow once we get the systems in place is, okay, now let's look at the growth plan. What's next and how can we make the space to do those kinds of things? 
I love it. And I can vouch for your work because I know people who you've worked for and they adore you. (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell people where can they find you and connect with you if they want more information? Yeah. So the place I hang out on social is on Instagram. And so you can find me at kristen.westcott. And you'll see I'm posting on Instagram there. And then you can check out my website if you want more details around any of the strategy work that I do. And that is kristenwestcottmedia.com. Excellent. Okay. Final question, Kristen, in what ways are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Well, I am not ashamed to admit that my children watched a lot of Disney Plus throughout this pandemic. And oh my goodness. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Holy cow. Yes. My son has watched a lot of TV and learned about video games, which I was like, we're not going to be a video game family. And now here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's okay. It's just yep. a, a blip in their radar, in their development, in their growth. And yeah. it is what it is. Some days yeah. my kids don't get dressed. They stay in their pajamas all day. Um, it's not a battle I'm willing to pick today. Let's right. just move on. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. 100%. I've been preparing my child all week for like, hey, like you're going to have to actually get dressed in presentable clothes for a 20 minute meet and greet this week. But it's like the biggest event of the week. I mean, it's the biggest thing we've done in quite a while. <laughs> You will have to comb your hair for the first time in six months and put on some clean socks, maybe some clean underwear. So I love it. Kristen, thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation, but also a really insightful and helpful conversation. I know that this is going to resonate with so many moms who can relate to how you felt when your babies were brand new and that working through postpartum depression and all of the things that happen to a woman's identity after she has a baby. And I know they're also going to feel some hope, I think, and some optimism around how we can better prioritize and optimize getting support in our lives so that we don't have to do it all alone. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.